Okay, well, let's pray and ask God to meet us in the scriptures. I'll pray that we can all be awake. Lord, thank you for your gifts, spiritual gifts this morning. Thank you for Karen's love for Amanda and just that beautiful demonstration of, of Jesus' love in that home group. God, thank you for all the ways that you're working. And Lord, I pray that you'd come now. Such an important passage of scripture and such a powerful, powerful truth. Lord, this I know this truth could set people free this morning. This truth could transform lives this morning. And so I tremble at the, at the, the possibilities. I tremble at my, my weaknesses, Lord. And I pray that you'd give me wisdom and your grace and heart and strength. And I pray that you'd open up our hearts to the word. That we would not keep it at a distance, but we would let it go into our hearts and, and change us. So come, I pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit and do that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like to start the message by having each of you think about a question, just to yourself, quietly. And here's the question. How passionate are you about obeying God's commands? How passionate are you about obeying God's commands? How excited are you? How thrilled are you? How, how preoccupied are you with, I want to obey God? It's a crucial question because, well, there is a God. Okay, God has created the entire universe, and the reason you're here is because God created you. That's why you are here. So important for us to revisit that. God created the universe, and he created you, and he has revealed himself to us through creation, Romans 1 says, through history in the way that he called Israel and cared for Israel, and then most clearly, he has revealed himself to us through coming to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, his own son, fully God, fully man, the most clear picture, God's here. And so we have no doubt, there's there's no room for any doubt about the fact that there is a God who is infinitely powerful, flawlessly wise, perfectly good, just also, and loving, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. There's, there's no doubt that this is who God is. You're living in a reality which is governed by God. God is the most important being with whom we have to do. And God has clearly communicated to us by giving us a book. The Bible, his words in this book. And in this book, God has given us commands. Not suggestions. Not recommendations. Not opinions for you to consider. In great love and flawless mercy, God has given us commands in his word. So, how serious are you about obeying God's commands? Let me throw out a couple just to have you think. Ask yourself, how passionate are you about each of these commands? Ephesians 4.32 Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving each other. Matthew 28.19 Go into all the world and make disciples. Disciples. 
Joshua 1.8. Meditate on the word of God day and night. 1 Peter 4.7. Be devoted to prayer. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands. Word to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid his life down for her. Ephesians 5.22, wives, submit to your husbands. Ephesians 6.1, younger people who are here in the service right now, children, obey your parents. Hebrews 10.25, do not neglect to meet together. So these are commands given to us by the God of the universe in his word. And so honestly, ask yourself, how passionate are you about obeying those commands? How thrilled are you? How excited are you? How energized are you to go through the day obeying God's commands? The reason I mention that is that I think we all, probably, knowing me, knowing you, we probably all need to grow in that, have more passion, more excitement, more thrill about obeying God's commands. And in today's passage in Psalm 119, the author not only tells us that he is passionate about obeying God's commands, he tells us why. And I'm praying that God will use this passage, these eight verses, it'll be like, a, like an explosion in our hearts of passion for obeying God's commands. So let's turn to Psalm 119, it's verses... 57 through 64 is where we are today. And if you need a Bible, we'd love to you, for you to have one to look on with. Very important. So don't be bashful. Raise your hand. We want to give you a Bible to look on with as we study this passage. And in the Bibles we're passing out, this is on page 513. Psalm 119, verses 57 through 64, pages, page 513 in the Bibles we're passing out. And what we see in these verses is that the author is passionate about obeying God's commands. So let's read them, and then we will dig in more deeply. We start with verse 57. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten, means hurry, and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Can I write in that first verse, verse 57, we can see just how passionate he is about obeying God. Did you catch what he says? Let's read it again. Verse 57. The Lord is my portion. And then get this next line. I promise to keep your words. Have you ever said that to God? Now, he knows that it's not possible for him to be free from sin for the rest of his life. He's not promising something foolish here. What he's promising is, God, I see your word. 
I'm all in. I understand what you're saying to me. I'm not perfect. I'm not sinless. But I'm I'm not clinging to any sin, saying, well, I'll obey that one, that one, that one, but I'm not going to obey this one. I'm all in. My life is submitted to your word. By your grace, God, by your mercy, I promise to obey your word. By your grace, by your mercy, as you enable me, I promise to obey your word. That's what he's praying here. So can you say that in your heart right now? God, by your grace, through Jesus Christ alone, but yes, by your grace and through Jesus Christ alone, I promise to keep your word. Again, you're not promising perfection. That would be foolish. But you're saying, I'm all in. I want to obey every command. There's no command I'm saying, yeah, not that one, but all, all, nine out of ten is good enough, right? No. I'm all in. Every command I want to obey. There's no area where we're saying, you know, trading off with God. So can you say to God, by your grace, I promise, by your grace, I promise to keep your word. Can you say that? So the author says, now why? Why does he say that? Why is he so passionate about obeying God? And the reason is right there in verse 57. Read it again. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. So it's because the Lord is his portion, therefore he promises to keep God's words. What does it mean that God is your portion? It means that God is everything that he needs. Everything he needs, he knows, is found in in God. He knows that when he's fellowshipping with God, when he's in communion, sweet communion with God, he doesn't need anything else. God is his portion. And so because he says, the Lord is my portion, therefore, he promises to keep God's words. So I think here's how it works. Because he knows that God is his portion, and he knows that as he follows in the path of obeying God's words, that's the path in which he will experience God's nearness. That's the path in which he will experience sweet fellowship with God. That's the path in which he will experience connectedness with God. Loving God, knowing God, worshiping God, beholding God, that comes in the path of obedience to God. And that's why he says, because the Lord is my portion, because God is everything I need, because if I have you, I've got everything I want to walk in the path where I'll have you, where I'll know you, where I'll behold you, where I'll fellowship with you. And so therefore, I promise to keep your words. Now picture it like this. We always have two paths before us, okay? There's the path of not obeying God, not obeying God's commands, and there's the path of obeying God's commands, okay? We've always got these two paths before us at every moment. And the reason we want to walk in the path of obeying God's commands is because that's where we will know God as our portion. If we turn our back on God's commands and start walking in this path, we will not know God as our portion. We will not have sweet fellowship with him. We will not experience his nearness and his love and his presence, okay? So there's, there's two paths before us. And so ask yourself, are you passionate about walking in this path? And if you're not, the reason is because God isn't your portion. There's something else that's your portion. For example, if money is your portion, then you'll want to walk in a path that will bring you money. That's going to be your focus. 
if comfort is your portion, then that's the path you're going to walk. If impressing people is your portion, then that's the path you're going to walk. The problem is none of those are your portion. It's lies. Money is not all that you need. Fame is not all that you need. Comfort will not satisfy you. God is your portion. And so if if you're not passionate about obeying God's commands, the problem is there's something else that's your portion, something else that you're pursuing besides God. But nothing else is your portion. Only God is your portion. That's why he says in verse 57, the Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. So that's why he's so passionate about obeying God. He sees there's two paths before him. There's the path of not obeying God, and there's the path of obeying God. And he's passionate about obeying God because God is his portion, and he knows that as he walks on that path, he will be having sweet fellowship with God. Okay? So that's one reason we are passionate about obeying God's commands is because God's our portion. Now, there's a problem, though. And some of you at this point, you, you get that, you understand that, but you're feeling hopeless because you have tried again and again to walk this path. You've tried to love your wife. You've tried to give for the sake of the needy. You've tried to not gossip. You've tried to tell the truth. You've tried to forgive. You've tried to not feel jealous towards other people. You've tried and you have failed and you have failed and you have failed. And you find yourself repeatedly, you're back on this path again. And so to hear that God's your portion and you'll experience more of him on that path leaves you, because of your failures, feeling hopeless. Some of you are feeling that right now. It's like, this is not good news so far, Pastor Steve. To hear that God's my portion and I'm experience more of him on the path of obedience, that is not good news to me. I've tried. And so I'm, I'm guilty because of my sin. I'm not experiencing God's presence. And this is bad news because I'm feeling hopeless. The author's not hopeless. He doesn't feel hopeless. He's not sinless. He has failed many times. And he doesn't feel hopeless. So why? Why is he not feeling hopeless? That's the next question. And the answer is in verse 58. Some of you need to hear verse 57, yes, but you also need to be encouraged by verse 58. He says, I entreat, and that's just a a different word for Ask earnestly, I entreat your favor with all my heart. Now, by the way, when we read the Bible, don't don't gloss over phrases like with all my heart. What would you look like if you were asking for God's favor with all your heart? How long has it been since you asked something for from God with all your heart? God, give me your favor. I need your favor. I need your favor poured out upon me. Isn't that what you would look like, sound like, if you were asking God for something with all your heart? So that's what he's doing here. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Now, why is he asking for God's favor? Why is he seeking God's graciousness? 
What is he looking for from God? And you could just say, well, he's just asking for God's favor in general. Maybe, but I notice something in the next verse, verse 59. Notice what he says and see if you agree with what I see in that verse, 59. He says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. Now think about what's going on here. Okay, he's thinking about his ways, how he lives, what his lifestyle is like, what, what he's doing, and his response to thinking about his ways is to turn his feet to God's testimonies. I think that shows that when he thinks about his ways, he sees that there are some areas in which his feet are not turned to God's ways. Do you see that? And so he sees that there's areas where he needs to turn his feet to God's ways. If you look at your ways and your feet are already turned to God's ways, then you look at your ways and you're good. But he looks at his ways and he turns his feet to God's ways, which I think means that he is not sinless. He's not perfect. He has areas of sin in his life. He has areas of failure in his life. In other words, he's just like me. And he's just like you. And what does he do about his awareness that there's areas in which his feet have not been turned to God's testimonies? He entreats God's favor. He asks God to be gracious to him. And I think he's asking for two things in particular. What are the two main things you need when you see that you have sinned? You need forgiveness. And you need Assurance of enablement. Okay? Forgiveness of sins and God's enablement to help him obey. And here's why this is so crucial. This is so important for us to get. The reality is that none of us, by our own power, can keep any of God's commands. You may disagree with that. But I would appeal to you that if you disagree, it's because you don't really understand the, the context and the full nature of God's commands. And you might think, well, you know, God commands us to do random acts of kindness and, and to you know, care for the poor every once in a while, and I, I can do that. Well, yes, you can do that. I, I can too. Okay? We can do that. It's not what God's calling us to do. What's the first command? God's calling us to love him with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. What would that look like? And then when we love God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength, he will so pour his love into our hearts and so fill us with his love that when we see suffering around us, we will be on a mission in this world. We will live lives of sacrificial, risk-taking love to relieve suffering wherever we go, especially eternal suffering. That's how we'll live. The first commandment, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second commandment, love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what he calls us to do. That's what obedience in every other command in this book is in the context of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what he calls us to do. The problem is, because of our sin, we don't love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love computer games. Uh, pizza, comforts, money, right? Food, friends, mountain biking, right? That's what we love. Our sin keeps us from loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. 
And so here's the problem. We've, we've got to see this to get the message of the Bible, Old and New Testament. If all this book has in it is commands, here's God with his commands and here's me. If it's me with my sinfulness and God's commands, if that's all that there is, I'm toast. And so are you. Because we can't do it. We won't do it. We refuse to do it. Our sinfulness keeps us from loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and having our lives be so transformed by his love that we love our neighbors, ourselves, everywhere we go. Our sin keeps us from from doing that. If all we have is God's commands, then it's hopeless. We have sinned. We will continue to sin. We are guilty before God for our sin. We will not experience him as our portion. In fact, we will face his judgment forever. That's what the Bible says is true of all of us, left to ourselves. This is so important for you to understand. Okay? It is hopeless. Left to ourselves. It is hopeless. But see, God is not just a commanding God. There's commands here that he's very passionate about. And they are commands. They're not opinions or suggestions. These are commands. But God is not just a commanding God. God is a saving God. And he sent Jesus Christ, his son. And just like the songs we sang this morning, Jesus came and by dying on the cross, he did at least two things. Two I want to mention this morning. Number one, he paid for the guilt of all sin that you would ever commit as you trust in him. He pays for the guilt of sin, number one. There's forgiveness. And number two, when he died on the cross, he broke the power of sin. He broke the power of sin and he paid the price of sin. That's what Jesus Christ did. And so, here's the good news. Old Testament believers, they didn't see this as clearly, but when they trusted God's mercy, they experienced just the same thing we do. We see it more clearly now, now that Christ has come. But when you turn and you put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord and as your portion, when you put your trust in Jesus Christ, everything changes. All your sins are forgiven. All that failure, that failure, and that failure, and that one, that one. All forgiven. God forgives you. Past sins, present sins, future sins. Okay? God then fills our hearts with his presence, his heart-changing work of the Holy Spirit, and we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's our desire. That's our passion. We're not perfect, but yes, we love him more than anything. There was nothing of that before. Now we love him. And when his love is experienced in our hearts, then our lives are changed. And we do love our neighbor as ourselves. We move out to obey his commands to to relieve suffering wherever we can see it, especially eternal suffering. And then God also promises, I will give you all the power that you need to obey my commands from now on. You will always have all the power that you need to obey my commands. So it's not hopeless. Some of you are feeling hopeless. It's not hopeless. You have a God who through his son Jesus Christ has made forgiveness, has purchased forgiveness for all the sin you'd ever commit as you put your trust in him. All your sins can be forgiven and by the power of the Holy Spirit through Jesus, sin sin's power breaking work of the cross, you'll be enabled, enabled to obey God. So here's, here's a formula I want to give you for those of you who are engineers and the rest of us. Okay? It's a little complicated. Portion plus forgiveness plus enablement equals passion to obey God's commands. 
portion, seeing God as my portion. If I have you, I've got everything I need. Oh, I, I, want, to, I want to have you. I want you. And that means walking in this path. So I, oh, I want to obey your commands. But I fail so much. So that's right. Second word, forgiveness. Yes, you have failed. And yes, you will fail again. Right? You have failed. And you will fail again. And he has forgiven. And he will forgive you again. And again. And again. And again and again and again and again. So try to obey and move ahead because failure doesn't cost you anything if you bring your sins to the Lord and ask for his forgiveness. You'll forgive me again? Yes. Again? Yes. Stop asking. Yes. I mean, ask for forgiveness. But you got what I'm saying, right? So don't let your past failures make you feel hopeless because I'm guilty. I've sinned against God. Yes, you are. And yes, you have. Move to him and say, forgive me through Jesus Christ. And he's running towards you. I like to say this all the time. Like the prodigal son's father is running towards the prodigal son, right? So portion plus forgiveness. Okay, but, but I've tried before and I, I wasn't able to. This area, there's just no way. Look at this area. It's, it's a big area of sin. It's a strong area of sin. It's bigger and stronger than me. And Maria Gregg says from Zechariah 4, 6, and 7, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. See that big mountain of sin? Oh, I can never, by his power, he will enable you. He will enable you. He will enable you. So here's the formula. Okay, it's very important. God is my portion. Understanding that through Jesus Christ, I have full and free forgiveness again and again and again when I meaningfully come and ask him to forgive me. And through Jesus' death on the cross, breaking the power of sin and his gift to the Holy Spirit, he will enable me to obey. Now, let's take a specific example. Let's, let's say that someone has uh, hurt you deeply. Intentionally, knowingly hurt you. They wanted to hurt you. It wasn't an accident. It was not miscommunication. They meant exactly what they said to you. They hurt you. And here you are. <clears throat> and you, you are angry. You're hurt, you're bitter, you're bearing a grudge. You're not obeying God's command. Ephesians 4.32, be tender-hearted, kind, forgiving each other as God in Christ has forgiven you. So someone has hurt you, you are bitter, you're bearing a grudge, you're angry, and you're not obeying God's command. You're not passionate about uh, walking in that path and forgiving them because you don't want to forgive them. Right, Your portion at that moment is it just feels so good just to have imaginary <clears throat> conversations in your mind. But I'm going to say this to them and then I'm going to really give them a zinger and put them in their place, you know. And, and you're, you're thinking about this and you can talk to your friends about them. And did they really do that? Yes, they did that. Ooh, that is bad. You should never like them again. So you're, you know, you're, you're kind of rustling the troops against them, right? Because that just feels so good because they've hurt you. Do you understand? Is it, that's, what, that's what we do, right? Okay, that's, that's why we like the path of not forgiveness. Because... Unforgiveness is my portion. Revenge is my portion. Bring a grudge just feels so good since they've hurt me. Right? So you're not passionate about obeying, so what do you do? Here's the formula. See if this works. Understand that through Jesus Christ, God is your portion. As good as it feels to seek revenge, God is your portion, not seeking revenge. God is all you need. Fellowshipping with God. You've experienced this. When you fellowship with God, when you worship him, when you open up the scriptures and see who he is and talk with him and know him and love him, the pleasures of revenge dribble away like nothing. 
And beholding and worshiping God is everything. God is your portion. And when you understand that, that he's your portion, then you're going to want to walk in this path, okay? Because that's where you will experience him as your portion. So that's the portion part. But it's also important that we understand that God promises forgiveness. So it's true, you've been walking in this path over here of bitterness and seeking revenge, and you've sinned against God, and you're guilty before God for that. Okay? But he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so God holds out forgiveness for you. Every time you sin, God's there saying, forgiveness. Here's forgiveness. If you look to God, what he's doing is forgiveness. You you need forgiveness. You have sinned. You are guilty. You need forgiveness. Here's forgiveness purchased through Jesus Christ. This is God's stance towards his people whenever we've sinned against him. Okay? Forgiveness. And so, yes, you've been guilty and you can turn to God and through Jesus Christ, he forgives. Restoration, nearness. The burden of guilt lifts off. His pardoning love comes on. Okay? And again, understand that if you try to forgive this person who's hurt you and you fail again, what's God's stance towards you then? No. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. But I failed again. I know you did. You are guilty. Forgiveness. But what if I fail again? I'll forgive you again. Look at what my son did. Forgiveness. So he's always standing there holding out forgiveness. We never should let guilt for past sin make us think, well, I've sinned, so I can't, I can't turn back. God's there with forgiveness. How do you see God when you've sinned? He's there with tears in his eyes, holding out forgiveness to you. And then third, this is crucial though, don't neglect this one. Portion and forgiveness is not enough. We need to understand that God promises enablement. You say, but how could I forgive? I'm so bitter. Yes, and it feels absolutely impossible. And it's crucial to understand that left to you, it is impossible. You can't change how you feel. You can't grit your teeth and ignore the bitterness or you know, go watch a movie and hope that when it's over, it'll be gone. It doesn't happen. But God promises to enable you by his power. So pray verse 58, I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. Change my heart. Fill me with your love. Look at this heart, God. This heart left to myself is never going to forgive anybody. Would you pour your love into my heart? Would you humble me by your mercy? Would you fill me with your forgiving love? Would you help me so see your forgiveness of me that I'm filled with joy and forgiveness for them? I promise you, I promise you, as you ask God with all your heart for his favor and his grace, his enabling power, as you ask God for that with all your heart, and as you use the means of grace, prayer, scriptures, maybe having some brothers and sisters lay hands on you and pray for you, he will enable you to forgive. You will be astonished to say, this heart is changing. The bitterness is going. Love is coming. Forgiveness is growing. You will see that. Portion plus forgiveness plus enablement equals passion. Okay, that's the first two verses. Now, 
Got six more verses here. And as I read these verses, what struck me is he's describing six ways that, that these truths, portion and then God's favor in terms of forgiveness and enablement, portion, forgiveness, enablement, six ways this impacts him. So let's go through these and then we'll open up and get some questions out here. So six results from believing this truth. First, he looks honestly at his life and turns his feet to God's testimonies. Verse 59, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. It can be painful to think of your ways. It can be painful to think of your life and your sin, right? It can be a painful thing to do. You look at your life, lacking Bible study, not much boldness and witness there, not really spending time with my kids, okay? It can be painful to look at your life, and so you just don't. But when you understand God is your portion, and God offers forgiveness in Christ and enablement through the cross, you can look at your life, okay? A, a clear evaluation of who you are and what's going on. Because when you do that, you will turn your feet then to God's testimonies. So, portion, forgiveness, enablement helps us look honestly at our lives so we turn our feet to God's testimonies. Second, he hurries to obey. Verse 60, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Any of the rest of you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I see that area of my life. I'm going to really get to work on that. Like May would be a good month to start on that one. Anybody say anything like that? Or maybe June, you know, just, it's going to take a little effort. When you see that God is your portion, that God is everything you need, all you need, and that walking in his path brings you more of him, and that he will forgive you for your sin and enable you to walk in the path, let's go! Right? Why stay on this path without God as your portion for the rest of March and April? Why would you want to do that? Well, the reason is because you don't really think it's going to happen and you aren't really sure God's your portion. By the way, if you aren't convinced God is your portion, if like this morning that's just like words to you, that's just, you know, like, Pastor see, that's religious mumbo-jumbo, to be honest. What, would, what should you do? I entreat your favor with all my heart. Help me see that you are my portion. I'm not seeing it. I don't believe it. I'm much more interested in these other things. And what will he do when you pray that prayer? He will do it. He will do it. You'll see him. And you'll experience him as your portion. Okay, so we hasten. We hurry to obey. Third, he obeys no matter what the cost. Verse 61. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. So even though obeying God's law means he ends up tied up by, by the wicked, he's not going to forget God's law. I think the main reason is because God's his portion. Maybe forgiveness and enablement figure in that. I, but I, I, can't, I was mostly thinking, if I'm tied up by the wicked as a result of obeying your word, that means I'm still on this path when I'm tied up by the wicked, right? Or if the wicked tie me up, I, can I still be on God's path and experience him as my portion? You're, you're, you're sleeping, right? Okay. If I'm tied up by the wicked, am I still in, can I still be walking in God's path? Yes. And if I'm walking in God's path, what am I experiencing? God is my portion. So if I'm tied up by the wicked, that would be hard, but it'd be okay because I have God as my portion. So we got to understand this. Let's say, for example, that obeying God and maybe speaking boldly of Christ costs you a relationship or two. That would be painful, wouldn't it? But it'd be okay. Because you'll have God as your portion. 
Maybe obeying God uh, at the workplace means you're going to do something, you're not going to do something that they want you to do that's dishonest. And like, what if that costs you your job? That would be difficult. But it would be okay. Because you'll have God as your portion. What if obeying God and, and staying with your spouse costs you pain and suffering and difficulty? That could be very, very hard. But it'd be okay. Because you'll have God as your portion. Fourth, he praises God all the time. I didn't know how else to put this. Look at verse 62. At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. Okay, so because he has God as his portion, his forgiveness, his enablement, he's not feeling oppressed and guilty and it's hopeless. He's feeling joyful. He's feeling liberated. He's feeling confident about the future. So he's, he's praising God. And why does he mention getting up at midnight? I just thought because, wow, like you're really happy if you get up at midnight to, to praise God, right? And so that's what he's doing. He praises God all the time because his heart's been changed. Fifth, he loves those who keep God's word. Verse 63, I'm a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. So when you are passionate about obeying God's commands, you love to hang around other people who are passionate about obeying God's commands because you will encourage each other. God's your portion. Don't forget. God offers forgiveness. Yes, you failed, but oh, he's forgiving through Jesus Christ. That, that's that's going to be tough, but God will enable you. Portion, forgiveness, enablement. You love to connect with people who you can remind of those truths and who can remind you of those truths. That's what we're trying to do in our home groups. Our home groups are our gathering of brothers and sisters who are passionate about obeying God's commands so we can stimulate, spur on each other to love and good deeds, like the author of Hebrews says. And then sixth, last, maybe most important, he looks to God's grace more than to his own obedience. I think that's what's going on here in this verse. Let me explain it and then look at the verse. It's crucial that we are passionate about obeying God and that we sustain our passion to obey God. But what will sustain your passion to obey God is not looking at your passion to obey God or looking at your obedience or looking at what you've done. That will not sustain your passion to obey God. What will sustain your passion to obey God is looking at God. Seeing God as a God who's overflowing with steadfast love. So he's my portion. Overflowing with steadfast love is my portion. He's forgiving. Overflowing with steadfast love. He's enabling. Overflowing with steadfast love. And so if you see God's steadfast love, then that will sustain your passion to keep obeying God. And I think that's what he's saying in verse 64. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. I mean, your love is so overflowing. It's like it fills the earth. God is full of steadfast love. And then when he sees that, therefore, teach me your statutes. Teach me your word. Strengthen my trust in your word. Strengthen my enablement to obey your word. So look to God's grace more than to your own obedience. Okay. Questions? What does this stir up in your heart? What's, oh my goodness, I preached a... It's not a, it is 11.30, that's right, okay, so it's 11.30. Well, I'm not going to do any questions then because we're, we're uh, but here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you have questions, you can email me or talk to me afterwards, but let me encourage you to pick one area 
in your life in which you've not been passionate about obeying. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's one of these three reasons, I'm almost sure. It's either because you're not seeing God as your portion, you're thinking something else is your portion, which is why you want to walk that way, or you're not seeing that God is forgiving through Jesus Christ, and so you're, you're, you're holding back because you're guilty, and you think, well, because you're guilty, you can't connect with God, and, and so you're just kind of stuck there. So you're not seeing that God's forgiving, or you're not seeing that God is your enabler. You think, well, why try again? Why go through all the pain of trying to obey again if I'm just going to fail again, and then I'm going to feel more guilty, and God's going to be more angry at me? Take that area where you're not passionate about obeying God, and understand that God is your portion. Through Christ, he's your portion. God, through Christ, through his death on the cross, is your forgiver. And God, through Christ, is your enabler. Portion plus forgiveness plus enablement even equals passion for obedience. And then in the home group this week, share about your area. Pray for each other. Lay hands on each other. Encourage each other with God is your passion. God is your forgiver. God is your enabler. And spur each other on to even greater passion for obeying God's commands. So let's stand together. I want to pray this over us and then speak a word of benediction. God, I pray that you'd come. I'm especially thinking, Lord, of people who walked in this morning hopeless about some area of their lives. And I pray that you, through your word right now, would would stir them with the fact that it is not hopeless. It is not hopeless. Help them to see that you are their portion. You are everything that they need and that you will forgive through Christ again and again and again and again and that because of Jesus' death on the cross breaking the power of sin, you will enable them to do everything you've called them to do. Father, let hope rise. We need hope. Bring us hope, Lord, in you in the promises of your word, so that we can move ahead then with passion, excitement, thrill, walking your path, obedience to your word, knowing you as our portion. Strengthen that in us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.